All right, welcome to Old School, Jane Cooper, David Schuster with you guys, and maybe J.R. Jackson. Uh, <laughs> lately, uh, all of our technical issues at TYT Network have been reserved just for Old School. Uh, like, the, we've got more technical issues on Old School than the rest of the network combined by a lot. Uh, so J.R. might join us in progress here. Uh, but David, how you doing, brother? I'm doing fine, Jenk. You look um, you look so much healthier than I do. I feel like I look like a corpse. Maybe it's the coloring or something. Maybe I need to get TYT to get me some new lighting. But you look great. You look tan. You look rested. You look refreshed. And I look like I just came out of some embalming studio or something. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, no, I'm fine. It, it, I guarantee you, it is m mainly uh, one issue. A secondary, smaller issue is it is true that I am in fact Middle Eastern, and hence would appear to have a tan even when I don't. Uh, but I do play basketball outside, so I often do have a tan, uh, which makes me uh, shine golden, if you will, even more. But I, but but that's not it. 90% of it is, they did some interesting voodoo visagery, visagery um, in, this, in this home studio that Jesus and, and others built. And it, it does, the lighting makes me look golden, like golden great. brown. No, it looks great. And I just figured, oh, well, maybe, you know, your healthy lifestyle living in L.A. And here I am in the Northeast and it's already freezing or whatever. <laughs> no, no, no it's, the magic, it's the magic of Internet television. OK, <laughs> <laughs> it's just you get the right lighting. Every, even they can even make me look good. All right. Hey, Zeus, I'm writing this down. Hey, Zeus is going to come to Connecticut at some point, courtesy of TYT to fix my studio so I don't look like a corpse. Hey, I think we're, I, I, I think Jr. is in the picture, right? I think so. Soon. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, the legendary J.R. Jackson is here, but uh, because of technical issues, we can hear him, but I'm not positive you guys can. So <laughs> once I get a thumbs up from Asher, then we'll bring J.R. in. Oh, thanks for All right, J.R., welcome, brother. How you doing? Oh, Jesus. This, happens. this happened last Wednesday before John's show. If anything goes wrong with my computer, it will happen the second before we go on. That's the only time. That's all the time. It has to happen right there. Yeah. Well, you know, so here, let's get started. We'll do a, a fun little thing. It's a tiny thing. It's a very common old school thing. But um, today I was trying to check my phone uh, because of Monday Night Football on my way from the studio to here. Right. Uh, and now don't get me wrong. Don't check your phones while you're driving. And, and I don't. I wait till the red light to look at it for a <laughs> second. Right. So. When I when I'm in a hurry and I'm about to miss the show, I'll hit every red light. Absolutely. Right? And then today, because I wanted to check my phone, I hit one red light in the beginning. I thought of checking the phone and I brought it to ESPN and the light turned green and then every single light was green. <laughs> okay. Now, we know statistically that it's not likely and it's a matter of perception. But is it? Mm, no, it's not. No, hell no, it's not. I'm a tr full believer in this. If you don't want it to rain, bring your umbrella. If you uh, if if you'd like for the sun to be out all day, forget your sunglasses. Trust me, it'll work every time. If you would like to get somewhere on time, you don't want to hit any red lights. All you have to do is make sure that there's something pressing for you to look at. Make it up. Just send it into the into the atmosphere. Energy will be like, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, Jr. wants to check his phone. <laughs> every green light now what's up sucker it's just no matter what you win like you win like i'm a little bit crazy in case you guys didn't figure that out from the socks conversation before but um the actual thing is like you have to like 
I say it out loud when I'm in the car by myself. Let's keep it real. I'm, I'm just going to admit it. I'm like, oh, I really want to check this text. I can't wait to check this text. Red light. You'll never get one. It's, it's, it's oh, you, you know, know what? We could we could jerry rig this. Tell me when you're going for a drive, and I'll text you, and then you'll have green lights from then on. <laughs> no, I've Jake, <laughs> I've I've thought of asking someone to ask me before. I've so you're all prompted me though. to want to get something off my chest uh, that happened to me earlier today, uh, and that is because it's all this whole issue of like being on time, right? And I'm always big on oh, you should you know always be on time that sort of thing. Well, I was late to a phone call today, um, and it wasn't just you know it was. I'm help the, the this long long story short is that there's this there are two basketball players who played for Indiana one in the 1970s and another in the 1990s who was the Big Ten Player of the Year in 1996 Brian Evans they started this wonderful company that helps with uh, sleep apnea devices and I've had really bad sleep apnea in my life and then I got this device from them and lo and behold now I'm sleeping and so I was on this call with them saying look not only is it working but you know if there's anything I can do to help your business whatever so I was supposed to have this call with Brian Evans today right at you know 11 o'clock sharp. And I'm six minutes late. Now, the thing about it is this guy was Bobby Knight's, like he was Bob Knight's last Big Ten player of the year. And, you know, you know, Bob Knight always had his practices right on time. And if you were late, like you didn't start the next. And here I'm thinking, oh, my God, this guy is so used to structuring his entire life to being right on time. And me, this, you know, guy that he doesn't really know, shows up <laughs> six minutes late. And I was like, I felt so guilty. So did he, did he say something? Did you, get, huh? did, did you get some kind of negative energy from him once you were there late? Uh, a little bit. I think he was a little bit sort of quizzical, like, you know, he left me a message saying, are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? And I was like, I just, you know, I just got jammed and just, you know, so. Uh, but, I mean, I think, I, you know, the call ended up being fine and, and you know, hopefully I'll be able to, you know, help them and all that kind of stuff. But it was just one of these things where, you know, it's sort of like if you um, if you have somebody who's a military member of your family and they're always the one that's like the first at the Thanksgiving dinner. They're always the one who's like polite and they have their manners and all that. And you sort of show up in your slob. That's how I should have <laughs> No, I know, but. I got news for you. The guy who's always on time and is always like uh, well-mannered, uh, two things. Number one, no one likes him. Um, <laughs> and uh, and number two, he's got somebody tied up in the basement. We all know it. Okay, like you're just bottling it up, brother. We know this game, okay? And by the way, Bobby Knight's a good example of it. Like, oh, everything's all buttoned up. He's like, oh, give me a chair. It's <laughs> like, it's just, uh, he's a total mess. Uh, and in fact, I have a theory on that, which I will unveil now, uh, partly because I came up with it about a second and a half ago. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to come back to your uh, the Mike Evans story. Not Mike Evans. That's my receiver. Oh, on my Brian Evans. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Evans. Um, can't get off your head, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trust me that I can. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, though, I'll go. I'll talk about. Uh, I forgot again. I can't get Mike Evans out of my head. Brian Evans. Yeah. Yeah, 1996 Big Ten Player of the Year for uh, for Indiana, a team that probably should have gone to the Final Four but didn't. But anyway, it's a long, you know. Long yeah, story. yeah. I, back then, I used to watch college basketball. I probably remember him. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't on my fantasy team, so. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so no, you had the perfect excuse, David. It was a layup, if you will. Oh mm. my God, I was going to be on time, but this sleep apnea thing worked so well. I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. I fell well, asleep. Okay. It was Eleven o'clock East Coast. Meeting, so, you know, I didn't, well, that's how well it works. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I like how you're subtly trying to plug the sponsor. Not a big deal. Just say it. It's okay. It's okay, David. Just say it. Aurora we'll Sleep Clinics. Now, I mean, I, I'm telling you, this thing. 
I, I gave up on my sleep apnea like 12 years ago because I did like this whole CPAP thing where you wear this thing over your face and I was so claustrophobic and I couldn't do it. And then about five or six years ago, it was really bad again. I thought, okay, I got I to gotta do something. Again, the CPAP thing wouldn't work. So then they said, well, now these mouth guards are getting better and your option is you put in one of these mouth guards or we can crack your jaw, do surgery. Oh uh, but that can also change all sorts of things in your mouth and throat. And I was like, all right, let me try the mouth guard thing. And that didn't work. Um, I, you know, I did it in New York. I couldn't get the sleep study done. I finally got the sleep study. I couldn't get the test results. I finally went and saw a dentist, but he didn't have the right. So I was just like, this, this is not meant to be. I'm just I'm destined this to be is... an exhausted person and die prematurely because, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm stopping and not breathing every night. Um, and then finally, my mom was like, hey, but there, you know, the, the, these two guys who are former basketball players who teamed up in Indiana and they've got this medical device and one's a dentist. And it seems like they're having a lot of success. You should check it out next time you're home. Why don't you stop by and see them? And did a little bit of research and found out that, oh, actually, the mouth guards that, that are designed now are actually much better than they were five or six years ago. And these guys just happen to be, you know, on the cutting edge of and they've had huge, huge success. And I thought, OK, I'll try it. And it's it's worked. So suddenly, suddenly, oh, my God, I'm like resting. I'm sleeping. I'm not feeling horrible during the day. It's, it's crazy. So you, you were cranky and tired previous to this? How long ago was that? Oh, my God. So I would say until about, I'd say probably until about three or four months ago. I mean, look, I, I sort of, like anything, you sort of get used to operating and working and doing all this yeah. different stuff, despite whatever is, you know, might be holding you back. But I'm just like, God, if I... If I could have had like this kind of sleep, I don't know, like 10, 12 years ago, <laughs> I probably would have been a lot smarter <laughs> on a lot of things. <laughs> but um, but it's just, you know, it just it, it your your quality of life. I mean, you sort of realize if, if, if you don't if you're not getting you know, seven or eight hours of decent sleep each night, I mean, you, you, you pay for it in different ways. And I just, you know, for the last several years, I've gotten sick a lot. I you don't feel very well. And it's just, you know, you reach uh, your 50s and you're still not sleeping very well. And it's just, you know, this disaster right. waiting to happen. So, so you know, I know why JR asked, because you're, uh, I think what we would all consider you an incredibly friendly and amiable <laughs> guy. Totally. And, and so I think JR was had the same question that was running through my mind, which is like, does it get more amiable? <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> Is there an no, 11 I'll, I'll on this an family like, scale? I, I'd say until about like three or four months ago, I would like, Jenk, if I saw you on the street, despite having you know known you for 15 years, I'd say, I know you, but I wouldn't be able to pull your name up immediately because I'd be like exhausted yeah. or out of context or JR would meet you and it would take until like the fourth or fifth time before I'd like remember you. It's like little things like that, remembering words, remembering 100%. names and faces, all that kind of stuff. I'm and I used to just chalk it up to, oh, well, it's just because I'm getting older, I'm yeah. getting senile, like I said, no, I think it's, in part because it's just, you know, sleep deprivation. And then you add to that the kids who naturally are going to you know, prevent you from getting a lot of sleep anyway, and it just becomes a double whammy. Yeah. So, look, I, sleep is the answer. I forgot the question. That's because I'm not getting enough sleep. Um, so, look, uh, I got to get six hours. If I don't get six hours, I'm a mess. I'm not winning with myself, et cetera. And so I, it used to be that I needed, like, seven and then six and a half and now i'm fine with six right but i that's a magic line for me i get to 555 and i am screwed right <laughs> it's going to be a miserable day so i i have such tremendous sympathy for people with sleep apnea and then uh, a family member had it and he did the whole thing the whole darth vader thing yep. <sighs> and i'm like no i can't i under like I'm not even necessarily that claustrophobic or anything like, but I can't put things on my face while I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. So it, it really puts you in a no win situation, total conundrum. 
uh, here I'll give you three quick stories. Why not? Uh, about each one of those things. We recently went on a trip with the with the kids, and we were at an Airbnb, and it was a tiny little thing, but it said it slept like five. The reason it turns out is because they had a triple bunk bed. And, okay, oh, triple bunk bed, that sounds kind of fun. Mm, no, there's a catch. There's two catches. One, it was near impossible to get to the top bunk. By the time you climbed up there, like, the weight would, like, lean so the whole thing would collapse. So nobody was going on the top bunk bed. The middle was fine. That's where we put Joy. And then I took the bottom, and it was like the bunk was this close to my face. And I'm like, no, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> and that, no, man, that's real, man. <laughs> thing, it really kind of like speeds up your heart rate. Luckily, I, I, I'm good at falling asleep. There's one thing I'm good at. It's falling asleep. So I managed to fall asleep under those circumstances. But every time I woke up, I was like, well, I sick it on. It's because it's right there, right? Yeah, and, no, I, I hear, I feel like, um, isn't this like, isn't that the CAT scan where you're in the tube? People get yeah. claustrophobic in that. I've never had to do one and I hope I won't have to, but I've always had that mindset. You know how, just generally how I think, I'm like, people tripping because there's a tube. You know what you're getting yourself into. You can expect what the problem is. Like, I'll get freaked out if I don't expect it. But as soon as, I was like, if I know I'm getting a CAT scan and I've heard everybody trips when they get in the middle of these tubes and it's right next to your face for however long, I don't know, 20 minutes, I don't know how long it takes. But people freak out. I said, like, calm down. You know where you are. You know it's fine. Chill out. Now, I am I will say that now. But if I have to do it, I will freak out. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I just know it. I just know yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel the same exact way. Like, I think I can handle this CAT scan because you know what's coming. On the other hand, um, when people start talking about the ventilators during COVID and then they, they explain in order to get you to breathe, they have to put a giant tube down your throat, right? And I was like, I'm double masking. I'm putting bubble wrap over my head. I've got gloves up to here because I do not want a giant tube shoved down my throat. And that's that it. Disastrous. In, in many cases, that's it. That's your last experience. Yeah, that's the other thing. A lot of people who go on the ventilator don't come out. And yeah. so, like, that's a miserable, miserable way to go. Uh, <laughs> Well, the one thing that's uh, that the where the, where I can tell that the misery has ended, for, and I don't want to beat this sleep stuff over and over, but I'm dreaming for like the first time in like years. Like I used to like never have dreams. I would go to sleep and I just I would never because I would never get in such a in very deep sleep because your body you stop breathing and then your body has to shake yourself in order to you know breathe again oh and it God. constantly sort of wakes you up and you don't really remember it. But then when you do the test, they find out oh yeah you have like you know 30 interruptions an hour or whatever it is. And my wife would say, yeah, you know, you stop breathing for a minute or two and so your body jerks. Okay, so you never, but now the last couple of months, like I'm having all these crazy dreams, like all kinds over all kinds of people, all kinds of scenarios and situations. It's like, wow, this is awesome, man. <laughs> David's have to take any drugs for this stuff. <laughs> David's gonna write a fiction novel. <laughs> yeah, no, he's like, he's so supercharged. I'm like, I I, I don't know. I, I want to give him another assignment because he's gonna, <laughs> whatever you give him, he's going to rip apart right now. He's like Superman, which I think also came from Indiana. Um, but uh, so I have dream stories. I have the mouth guard story. I have the epiphany I got to get back to. But I got to find out what's your dreams about. Do you, uh, can you tell us one of them or, or to give yeah, us a, I had a weird one the other night? And this was about... Uh, 
Anderson Cooper. Somehow he and I were sitting in like his apartment and he started confiding about, uh, I mean, he, you know, we both have had some, I guess, similar family tragedies. We've had, you know, suicide, a younger brother. And so as uh, he was, and I've never really met Anderson Cooper. Like I've never had a conversation with him. I've seen him at a couple of things. And I don't know whether I had watched him on TV a couple of nights ago. I don't know how he ended up in this dream, but he was talking about, oh, we should really get together and do more to try to help people who are dealing with mental illness and mental health. And I said, oh yeah, it's a really good idea. And and I think part of it was triggered by, um, so over the weekend, I saw this thing on ESPN where Ryan Day, the Ohio State football coach, he there was a story about him, how his father committed suicide when he was a, a kid. And they talked about how he kept this anger sort of bottled up for so many years. And then just a couple of years ago, he started talking about it. And now he speaks to all sorts of students and he makes sure that his, you know, his football players have all sorts of mental health resources. And he says, this is really a sickness. This is a disease. Let's let's get rid of the stigma. Uh, and so I thought, wow, that's such a powerful thing that he's doing. And, you know, total respect for the Ohio State football coach, who I would normally just hate because <laughs> yeah. it's Ohio State. But this is great. So I think the idea was in my mind about, OK, yeah, there's people out there who are taking this awful tragedy and trying to do something positive and how it ended up with Anderson Cooper and myself having this conversation, no idea, but it was just- No, no I know. So vivid. So I was gonna warn you ahead of time, I'm a bit of a master interpreter of dreams. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not a big deal, it's just a gift I have. You know, I was kind of cursed with it. Uh, and Alex, I break down my dreams and they're, it's subtle, but I could really do it. And I, and I totally get where my mind is going. And then I go, oh, apparently that's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. So in your case, uh, Ohio State mainstream media. Um, right. And so you're thinking, normally I hate Ohio State. Normally I haven't had a great experience <laughs> with mainstream media. But this is an interesting connection uh, because of something that we share. And I wonder if there's still a bond to be had there, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so that I think that that's probably what There's a certain humanity that even people who I, you know, if I don't approve of their career choices or the concessions that they've made for their careers or to keep their jobs, or whatever it is, all sorts of things that I wouldn't be able to do. But there's still something about well, putting aside whatever people's jobs are, whatever they do for a living. There's a certain humanity uh, that all of us, I think, share. And particularly if you know, regarding tragedies and how life can sometimes be so unfair and, and so unpredictable. And I think there's something about that that, you know, certainly go up through my mind. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's a relatively easy one. Um, so this is pretty straightforward. Uh, like, and you know, I, I get what you're saying about people who've compromised and had to work for Ohio State or USC. Those are tough <laughs> lifestyle choices, you know, and, and it's not choices we'd make as decent people, but but it happens. Uh, you gotta stay away from those places. You know, those places are dangerous. I was just talking to David before we came on about USC's latest scandal. And it's like, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's so obvious that this is the way many schools operate, but when you keep seeing your school continually be continue to get caught like this, it's like, bro, just like give it up. Like if nothing else, you're just bad at it. And I don't have this whole pride thing. I remember when when uh, when Sandusky at Penn State and and uh, and um uh, what's our man's name who who died? Joe Paterno. Paterno. The Paterno yeah. Sandusky scandal. I had some friends like two that went to Ohio State that were like it was like a mission to make sure there was nothing bad said about their school over this football program that they were not a part of these two did not play football one was a girl 
it's like she didn't play football. The other guy didn't play football. But for some reason, it was this huge protection over the school's name. Anytime someone mentioned Joe Paterno and Sandusky and the cover-up and the, and the assault, all that stuff. I was like, I don't love USC enough to talk about how, oh, my God, but, 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 not, but not them. I mean, but not them. Why? What does that do for me? Is, is, does, that, does that give me a better paycheck? Do I get somewhere better? I went to school there 20 years ago. Like, what am I worried about? Yeah. Not saying something happened that happened. No, I know, I know. But you know how you USC guys are. There's a couple of schools. But everybody. No, where you guys are a little like ass slappy. Uh, I I don't don't remember exactly what Chris Matthews, the towel snappy. That's what Chris Matthews said (laughs) about being at the Bush White House. I didn't mean to be too towel snappy with the Yale guys. It's going to be ass snappy from now on. Just see (laughs) that. But there's a couple of schools like. People who go to uh, the business school at Northwestern and generally Northwestern overall, like the minute they see each other, oh, you went to Northwestern, you went to Northwestern, they start making out. They're like, ah, and you're like, okay, all right, look, each to each his own lifestyle choices and all that. But they like do the fun thing and they do a dance and they like bump chests and they start hugging too tight and they, they got a whole carnival of things that happens if they you went to Northwestern. And and USC's a, a little similar, but not as mental, right? But there's definitely like a strong USC thing. Oh, it's I don't crazy. know about Michigan too much. I imagine it's mental, um, and so and it, and Indiana and stuff. But like, I, there's a one is escaping me. It's Northwestern and another one that are absolutely over. <laughs> okay, look at David now. Maybe that. One. <laughs> are you saying something about Michigan? That's right. You know, okay. We're not too mental. We're just. That's so crazy about Michigan. I just only have like Michigan paraphernalia all over the house. But don't no, worry, I noticed all. it. Yeah, I saw, I saw the Wolverine helmet in the back like eight shows ago. Hey, <laughs> um, but Jr. Like I felt like I needed to d- defend Paterno at some point because I didn't go to Penn State. I went to Penn. But every like I would say Penn, they're like, oh yeah, you child molesters. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> It's not even the same school. It's, it's, it's not Penn State. And I'm like, but look, big, you know, the, what is he, Big Papa? Big Pops? What is he? Um, <laughs> is, it's either Notorious B.I.G. or Joe Paterno. What do they call him? <laughs> I don't think Joe Paterno had one. I, th- I didn't think, at least. I thought but he was def- Pops or something. Anyway, um, but I was like, I mean, look, Joe, I mean, I don't know if he knew. Sandusky's a terrible guy, but I don't know that Joe knew. Like, I said, like, because people say Penn State to me every time. Uh, the only time it has an upside is I'll say, like, oh, I used to play, uh, you know, football in high school, and uh, but I didn't play at Penn. They're like, oh, dude, man, you should, like, you could have played at Penn State and chose not to. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> if that's how you're going to interpret it. <laughs> are these the people that you join fantasy uh, uh, football leagues with so you can destroy them because they don't know the first thing about what football is? If they think Penn is the same as Penn State, it's just, come on. Like, no, no you don't no, even have to be a yeah, football person know, to realize that there's multiple schools in a state. You can be the first idiot that walked out of high school and be like, hmm, is there a UC everything? Yes, there's like 20 UC schools. UCLA is not the only one. Come on. People know better than no, that. No, Jerry, you're wrong. I, I would, in my experience, 80% of people don't know that Penn and Penn State are two different schools. 80%. Okay. So it is what it is. Um, so, but, I, but I'll get a lot of like, no, I, I'll say I didn't go to Penn State and they'll say, oh, well, what is Penn? 
and I'll say it's University a of school. Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I'll say it's acronym. University of Pennsylvania. They'll be like, oh, okay. Like, like, oh, that's a shame. Like, you shouldn't have told me that. You should have just stuck with Penn State because they never heard of University of Pennsylvania, which is very, very normal. Um, so, but uh, it's funny you mentioned my friends. <laughs> like, who am I playing fantasy football with? What kind of suckers and stuff? Because that was one of the dreams I was going to tell you guys about. Now, like, ex explaining your dreams is, like, notorious thing you're not supposed to do. It's it'll bore everybody. Yes. So I, I'm not I'm not going to tell you a 12 minute story about my dream. Okay. But I will I'll t tell you I what I think is an interesting like synopsis, which eventually will lead me back to the epiphany. Um, so I I'm having these amazing dreams, not all the time, but every once in a while I'll remember I'll remember like a half an hour of a dream. And there are amazing labyrinth stories that interweave and stuff. And the more I can remember, the more I love it. And in this one dream, we're going through a tunnel. And I think we're about to make it safe, right? We're making it out safe. But then I get attacked in a way that I did not expect at all. Super surprised. And then uh, it's – I, and then I realized the reason I didn't expect it is because it turns out the guy who attacked me was one of my best friends. Ooh. And it's the guy that I consider to be, like, the nicest of them. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and then afterwards, I was like, oh, that one was a head scratch. And it was really powerful. It was so jolting uh, because it was, like, one of my best friends, like, trying to kill me in the dream, right? And I, like, and I got startled uh, awake by it. And, uh, and I realized I was going through self-reflection at the time. This is after thinking about it for a while. And and one of the things that I thought had and, and I don't want them to take this the wrong way, they're not watching, it doesn't matter. But it, it happens to all of us. That's why I'm telling you guys. My friends had accidentally done damage to my confidence because the, I'm a regular schmuck to them, right? So my main experience was with them because I've lived with, you know, known them for 40 years now. And since they treated me as a regular old schmuck, which is which, well, how they should treat me because we're friends, and they've seen me make a thousand mistakes. I was just the other day. I was thinking, what would be my hell? Not the other day, earlier today, because somebody said their version of hell was something. And I was like, what would be my version of hell? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I know what it would be. Trying an endless series of attempts to park in a crowded <laughs> parking lot with tiny parking spaces, okay, in a big car. Because I, as I've said a million times on the show, I'm terrible with spatial reasoning. I get so stressed out in the parking lot. So I'm like, am I going to make it? I don't want to scratch my car or their Still. car. I'm so stressed. Still. 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 By the way, just for some context, you guys, um, Fridays I go in and I do the show. Every Friday, I find a new way to maneuver my car around Jake's in order to get into the spot in the middle. Now... <laughs> John is normally there for the first hour on Fridays, so he drives a car that's the size of a tuna can, and I'm not exaggerating. So his car, you can barely get into. Jake has an SUV, like a normal human being. So his is still not up on the parking block, but the parking space area is extremely small. You can only come in from one direction. John's car, you can't see. <laughs> Jenks is halfway out of the spot and cocked a little bit diagonally. I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to get in here? I was really close to cussing. How am I supposed to get in here? But it's like a challenge every week. It's 
definitely something that stays with Jake for his entire life. How would it go over, GR? I mean, you tell me first, and then Jake, you respond. How would it go over? If, you know, just that's sort of a joke of people like box Jenks SUV in so that you know he's parked, and then there's a car so close on both sides that he literally can't open his own door. So he has to like climb into the trunk. Would that be very funny? It no. it would, but you would pay for it later because then he would have to leave, and you got to make sure your cars are seven to ten feet away. Yeah, no, no, Jared would never play that game. <laughs> like, because he wouldn't be worried about me. He'd be worried about his car. And he's like, no, this brother's always in a hurry. He's going to have to go. And there's no way he makes it out of here. I'm not putting my he, car there. Yeah, Jared no. would be the first one to say, I'm not putting my car there. <laughs> Jen gets flustered. And then he's also thinking about seven other things at the same time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Facial relations. Wow. I didn't know that about you, Jen. Yeah. It's, I, How does I, it play out? Does it play out in terms of like sports you've played in the past? Did that, but was that a hindrance or was it? Uh... No, that's that's the really interesting part. It's it's kind of weird. Maybe I got past it in sports, um, but no, I'm okay in sports. But mm. in everything else that involves spatial relations, packing, it, like mm. I couldn't pack a trunk of my life depending on it. Tons of empty spaces. Wow. I can't fit anything in. People think I'm making excuses, but after like 17 years, my wife was finally like, "No, I get it. No, you're really bad at it." Like suitcases, <laughs> like you're not you're not good at organizing a good suitcase. No, not not in my life. Do you lose things? Like, do you lose your keys very often because you can't find them because you can't see them? No, it's not that I can't see them. No, I don't have trouble losing things. That's more of a memory thing. Uh-huh. It's it's more anything I have to put into order in space, like, and so. Uh, I, I probably hit maybe, and this is not an exaggeration, JR knows it, about a dozen cars in parking lots in my life. A dozen. <laughs> totally, totally. No, this is not an exaggeration. Okay. Not at all. I can't judge space. It's amazing. Um, and the, the, so, yeah. The, the good news is when Jank hit my car, it was an 88 Prelude. And this is in 2006, I believe, maybe 2005. So, therefore, it was extremely old already. Had four other issues with it, and I was on the verge of sending it to the junkyard because this is broke days at TYT, right? So I it's probably 2003, actually. So anyways, um, he hit it, and he came, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, Jay, I hit your car. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, whatever you need to do to fix it, you know, I'll, 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 I'll fix it for you. I said, Jenk, if you never told me that you hit that car, I would never have known that you hit that car. So please keep, <laughs> keep the little $200. For whatever repair is going to go on his car that's going to end in the junkyard. No, I don't need it, please. Yeah, and I had my Pontiac Grand Am, uh, and I never fixed it. Uh, my Pontiac Grand Am was such a disaster. That, that's like, like an old cop car, the Grand Am, isn't it? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And uh, and one of the, I had hit one of the side uh, rear view mirrors, right, and knocked it off. And it was just like hang off the car. And I went to go uh, fix it, and they're like, it's like, Two, three, four hundred dollars or something. I don't remember what the number was, but it was a number that was definitely too high for me. Uh, and I was like, I don't know, man. I could do this my own. And I just drilled three holes <laughs> into the side of the car to like just drill it in, right? Um, you know, some guy at Wolfpack is still driving that car. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, but Jr., I owe you an IHOP or something. Uh, <laughs> the car was gone. The car was gone like a week later. It had to be. It was. It was on its. It was on its. It was in the back end. Oh, no, was that the worst car you've driven in your life, Jr.? Oh no, 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 no. Um, 
Man, I can't even think of it. I, I've I've had cars that I owned that were registered that never made it on the road. So mm-hmm. we can we can go at that route too. But I had a I had a a, a, a Honda Civic. No, it was an Accord '87. Had it, it already been in an accident? Then when you started, it revved at like the highest RPM. You have to be like, oh, let me shut this down. Start again. Then it's even. Then it revs and you got to turn it off. No, it was it was that was the worst one I think. Yeah, I, I told this story once before, but my younger nephew, he bought a, a used Porsche SUV. So it was really inexpensive, oh, but it was like never used. Do that. Oh. I know, I know. And I, so I told him, too, I said, and then it's related to the story. I said, it's a German car. It's massively used. It's going to be a nightmare, right? Like, you're not going to be able to find parts. They're going to be super – the parts are going to cost more than the car, right? And uh, and he's like, no, no, no. Uh, and he's a – you know, he's a <laughs> – uh, aeronautical engineer so he's like i got this and he's like i'm gonna fix it on my own i was like okay right and so one one day he pulls into the driveway he's like jake you'll never believe this this giant thing underneath my car just fell out in the middle of the highway <laughs> and i was like no i i would definitely believe it in fact i would have expected it you told me you were gonna fix it yourself if something hadn't fall out in the middle of the highway i would have been shocked <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a cutoff here when you can fix your own car. I'm still currently working on my 84 Corvette, and it's around there. You can maybe go up to like 88, 90. That's about your peak. Now, of course, you can work on cars that are new to that. People work on brand new cars, and they do their modifications. I get it. But I'm talking about normal things if something breaks, and you got to go back and fix it. If you're modifying your car, sure, fine, fine, fine. Because you're working with a new piece of machinery here. You're working with something where you can get new parts, put it on a new car. Or even something within 10 years. A 1980, a 1994 beater is the biggest nightmare you can imagine. And make that a foreign car and then a high-end luxury car. So if you want a 93, say, Lexus, Infiniti, Porsche, oh, you're going you're gonna to be running around looking for something every other day because they're not made to last. I, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm bad on this stuff because I'm a big believer in, like, I'm on the computer cars now. But I never want a, a car to be telling me what to do and how to drive. Oh, and there's some on your left side. Oh, there's some behind you. Oh, they're on top of you. They're in front I'm of exact you. Exact opposite. Exact opposite. The new car that I got, it's not that new, but uh, the, the SUV you're talking about, it now beeps if I'm anywhere near a car. Like, hey, don't <laughs> turn to the left. You know, don't go on the left lane because beep, there's a car that's like half a mile from me. I'm like, oh, thanks, God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... But I just remember the good old days when I think this was like pre-emissions test. Like when I had my first car, I had a Ford Escort that I got at a police auction. And I probably only spent like two or three hundred bucks on it. You needed it to take it and do an emissions test. Of course, it failed the emissions test. But they're like, well, you can still drive it. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? They're like, oh, we'll just get it fixed. I'm like, oh, OK. So I drive it out of the emissions test. I go to a mechanic. He's like, oh, yeah, that's going to cost you five or six hundred dollars. And I'm like, well, I don't have that money. He's like, all right. So I just I just like never got it fixed. And nobody, you know, I would occasionally rack up tickets. And then after like six months and driving even to the grocery store, I mean, it was such a terrible car. People would say, your car's on fire, your car's on fire. <laughs> and I'd be smoking all this kind of stuff. And it got to the point where I couldn't even drive it like down the street before it seemed like it was on. it was just smoking. So I thought, I got to get rid of this car. Well, how do I get rid of a car? I take the tags off. I take all my belongings off and I just leave it. And the fine police of D.C. tow it away. And I never had to see it again. <laughs> Great. Oh, wow. Good old days. That- that might beat our stories, man. When you gotta like do a bank heist 
to get rid of your car. Just let it go. <laughs> no, like it's it's go like you get like it's like old school. Well, if you will, uh, like Will Ferrell pulls the the stockings over his face. It's go time. <laughs> like unscrew the tags. It's you get out of there. They're like, what are you doing? I'm just running away from my own. Car. Yeah. The, the the only way to get it towed faster is to park it in a in a nice neighborhood. <laughs> and then leave it. it'll be it'll be gone in 35 minutes that's true but then you're more likely to get caught right or somebody yeah. will have a ringer thing and they'll catch you on video and why did you leave it behind yeah. oh, the freeway. nowadays it, with it, high tech and the computer tracing and all that kind of stuff now you know you're, you're responsible even if it's an old beat-up car they're going to get you with all those tickets whether you pay them or not i mean you know back then you know 25 30 years ago eh, things were so the system was so antiquated that you know stuff like that could slide through so they realize yeah. they can make money off of it. Like, <laughs> so I remember my car got stolen. That same Pontiac Grand Am got stolen. Part of TYT lore. It might have been because of TYT they got so anyway. Uh, and then the cops eventually found it several months later. Uh, and uh, and I remember asking them, "Oh, cool, you found it. Did you dust it for fingerprints?" <laughs> and there was like a long silence at the other end of the line, and like. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm like, are you going to? Another long silence. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, they I made them dust it for fingerprints, and so it came back even dustier. They like left <laughs> the dust on there. They didn't give a and, damn. And no, and then I followed up like a however many weeks or months later, and they're like, no, no, we didn't catch the guy. <laughs> No, nor are we really trying. Whose fingerprints? How do I know, man? Just let it go. For months, for months, we played that clip from the Big Lebowski on the show every time we brought up Jenks' car. For the okay, for you, for those you don't know, the the cult classic, the Big Lebowski. Um, <laughs> the main character's car gets stolen, and then he goes. He's in L.A. and he goes to LAPD and he asks them because they find it. And, you know, they find it abandoned. They take it to the junkyard. He checks it out. And there's an officer standing there. And he says, you know, are you guys going to find these guys? Like, do you got any promising leads? <laughs> and the, <laughs> the cop's response was, if you haven't heard this scene, it's the best scene in many movies. Like, it's one of my favorite scenes. And it's not in my favorite movie. But it's one of my favorite scenes ever in any film. Um, and he's... He does exactly, it was so fun. It's exactly what they did to Jank. He goes, Leeds, yeah, sure. And he went in this sarcastic rant about how they got the guys in their crime lab. They're going to be working 24 7. Uh, like, you know, they were working yeah, I'll in shifts. Do it. I'll do we're it. working in shifts. Yeah, 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 that's what it was. Uh, I'll paraphrase, but the guy was like, Leeds? <laughs> yeah, you can work around the clock, man. <laughs> He's like, Leeds. <laughs> Die, dying laughing it was it's the it was one of the best things ever but no that's because that's the idea this guy's in la his beat up 1973 whatever got stolen and someone defecated in the back seat it was horrible and then he's asking who they're gonna find the guy la cops don't care they're like you're lucky we you have your car 100 <laughs> percent. that's exactly how they were with me and they're like, you're lucky, A, that we have your car, and B, that we haven't beaten the crap out of you yet. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's really the main things we do. So if you like, you can ask for fingerprinting one more time. Take the chances. <laughs> roll the dice. <laughs> if you want to see us working in shifts, then you'll see. <laughs> it is LAPD. All right, uh, no, just to, to finish a, a couple of thoughts there. Um, 
speaking of cheap, uh, I once had a dentist tell me, again, these were in the super lean times, although that lasted for several decades, uh, and uh, that I needed a mouth guard uh, while I'm sleeping because I was grinding my teeth and it was going to be a real problem for my teeth. And, uh, and so they made the mouth guard and it had to be tight. And it was, it was really tight. And I, and I wore for like two and a half nights until I was like, screw this. And I threw it across the room <laughs> and it, it cost me $700. I still remember it was so painful. Yeah. And then, uh, and I'm like, that's like all of my money, all of my like extra money that I had. Uh, and, um, and then many years later, I go to another dentist and I'm like, well, you know, I should have worn this mouth guard and my, I, te- I grind my teeth at night, apparently. And he looked at my teeth. He's like, no, you don't. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, look, you, your teeth at the bottom have this issue, but if you're grinding your teeth, you, they would have the mirror image on the top of your top teeth. And that's and you can see here that's not the case at all. This is because of something else. And I was like, no, <laughs> seven hundred bucks, <laughs> seven hundred bucks. How could they do this to me? It was like the to this day it still stings. The worst money I ever spent. <laughs> so, anyways, before again before we run out of time, just because I know you're on pins and needles. The epiphany we're gonna get to in the next episode. That's for the members. Tyt.com/slash/join. But. You're saying, hey, Jake, why are your friends murdering you in your dream? What did that mean? So what I realized was that I was going through a period of self-reflection, which A, has lasted 51 years, uh, but B, uh, particularly these last two years, and I've been talking about it on Old School from time to time, and uh, it's mainly with Mark Thompson. I don't know what it is with that guy. He's a good listener. So he makes the mistake of being a good listener with me. I'm like, dude, I'm going to tell you about my self-reflection. You screwed up. Buckle up. Here I come. Uh, anyways, and I realized that my friends had seen me as a normal schmuck, which they should, as I explained. And But that reflected back onto me because for most normal people, we get our view of ourselves from how others view us, right? So I, I was trying to figure out who am I, right? Like, what are my capabilities? What are my skills? What's the reality? And I realized my family had certain expectations of me. My friends had a certain view of me. And outsiders had a certain view of me. Uh, like bigwigs in politics, media, and business certainly had a very negative view of me. And that this was warping my view of myself. But in, that, in, in interpreting that dream, I realized actually the most damage, totally accidentally, they're wonderful people. They don't mean it at all. That's not the point of the story. It was my friend's view of me that was probably doing the most damage to my confidence. Wow. And uh, and it was uh, and there's a saying in Chinese that my that my wife told me. It's so brilliant. It says something along the lines of the wise monk is always from far away village. Because if it's your monk from your village, ah, you know, that guy's a schmuck. <laughs> yeah like you've seen him trip over his robe there's no way he's the wise monk um Some guy you and don't so know. that's a phenomenon and i tell you guys that not to crap on my friends who again are wonderful people uh but so you know hey they're the folks that know you best are actually in sometimes will give you the most misleading view of yourself 
because you're the monk from their village. So don't get stuck on that and uh, and and have ironically a more objective view of yourself might be a better view. Um, so, all right, that's your afternoon special for today. Hit the join button if you're watching on YouTube to become a member and get the second episode. We'll see you guys. Later.